as I just said, I've babbled on long enough, and now we can start doing something productive. Now we can start talking. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. now we can. Well, at least we can start talking because it has been the Greg show. Well, I, I was asking you <laughs> questions too. I was checking in on the ins and outs of what's going on in in, in your land. There, come on. All right, teasing. Pain in the ass. So, so sorta. I got. I, you know, I got up three hours ago for this. Oh right. I got up. Not that long. Minutes ago for this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and we started talking thirty minutes ago. So I've been really asleep for the last, you know, first ten minutes of our. Talk. I I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, this is a Hopnology non-classic. 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 No. Anti-classic. New. 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 New Hopnology. New yeah. Hopnology. Episode 172? I think so. Something like I that. I think so. That's exciting. We thought we'd actually talk about some stuff going on. Because as you had, yeah. as you just said, we've been talking about, you know, the talking. We've been playing past versions of ourselves, variants of ourselves, <laughs> yeah. talking about all the all the technical stuff that we came out of the gate with. And uh, let's talk about what's going on right now. Yeah, there's a just a, a whole host of brewing industry news right now. It's everything from kind of landmark breweries closing up shop to crazy supply chain issues to cost of goods going through the roof and you know people in england freaking out over how much their beer costs now uh it's just a lot right now and we just you know i felt like we haven't kept everybody up to up to pace with what's going on in the industry so let's mm -hmm. why not talk about all these random things that are happening okay talk about it then okay what do you want to talk about first <laughs> let's 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 talk about changes in the industry and consolidation what's going on right now mm -hmm. um so i'm sure many of you saw a couple of months ago that stone brewing sold to sapporo and many many folks were as as <laughs> who didn't see this coming losing their minds <laughs> over you know oh my god they're a you know a stalwart of the independent craft beer movement and blah 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 and and they sold out let me remind you again that the objective in capitalism in a free market economy is to make money. Oh, they, they won. They won the game. Exactly. <laughs> it, is, it is not to sit on your high horse and drive your company into oblivion because you think you have some sort of high moral ground. Get over yourself. Oh, sure. <laughs> Hopnology is and always will be for sale. Uh, absolutely. That that's absolutely never been a question there. You know, mm -mm. we we are easily bought. <laughs> actually, yes. Like maybe, maybe for a ham sandwich. I don't know. Uh, depends on how hungry I am that day. A little bacon, mutton, and tomato. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mutton. Come on, no Princess Bride fans out there. I know, I know, I know. That's why do you think I'm giggling? I know. But but yeah, you're right. They they won the game. It's an absolutely legit thing to have happen. It's the goal. And and I say it's the goal, and of course, you know, any young brewer starting up their own place for the first time is going, No, this is mine. I mean, I, I get the the righteous indignation and outrage, but come on. There once Stone become a become became a legit business that it, it turns from passion project. You may still be passionate about it, but it turns from passion project into, okay, how far can this go? Right. And now becomes, when you have a board of directors, <laughs> yeah, 
and you have investors, they start looking at what the return on their investment is going to be. And it's not taproom sales because that's small potatoes compared to what people who actually have money to invest are looking for. Uh, yeah, you start saying, what are my options? Mm-hmm. And really, as a, as a business owner, and, and I, even an artist, an idea person that starts something that gets so popular that somebody with, is going to offer you a lot of money for it because, A, they know it's valuable, and, B, they know the market's there to take it bigger. That's flattering. I mean, sure. yeah, you won. I mean, think about that. That's that's like saying your idea was good. You had a you had a good idea. <laughs> good boy. <laughs> and you and you executed on your idea well. So awesome. Let us we're interested in your idea because frankly, you took all the risks and built it into something and proved its value in the industry. Therefore, here we come, you know, Sapporo with money that says we will buy this because it's valued at X. We understand that you earned it, but we're going to make it go bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, or we're going to add it to our portfolio. And so that's how bigger companies avoid risk is by letting the smaller companies, you know, grow and fail or grow and succeed and then buy them up. That's how this works. Sure. It's, it's pretty basic survival of the fittest and, uh, and environmental biology to a degree. <laughs> well, yeah, t- absolutely. And I mean, Bell's did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Larry Bell sold out, I, people lost their goddamn minds. And I and I even think we talked about it on an episode. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like, guys, he won. He won business. Mm-hmm. Be happy for this yep. guy, right? Now, I think the other side of it, there's the whole, you know, oh, they sold out. But the, the other concern becomes, well, but I like that beer. What What's going to happen to the beer? And we think about the Ballast Point situation when Constellation bought them and the quality went to shit. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? <laughs> exactly. And here's the thing. That's the risk of the new owner. I would like to think that people like Sapporo and um, Heineken and others have learned from the Ballast Point catastrophe that of what not to do. Now, the Ballast Point buyout by Constellation, I don't think was solely Constellation's fault. I think ballast point was far overvalued Mm -hmm. and its quality was moderate let's say and they had a big splashy presence right in their local market and then as they started to branch out regionally they had a bit of a bite right into that industry and i think constellation saw it and said let's take it and run with it because we've got a tiger by the tail right not so much right they Mm -hmm. just their overall value not just the monetary value, but the, the value that I think the market, the, the consumption market, right? The consumer market had in that brand was way overinflated. I, I would tend to agree. Where, where Stone is already a national brand. Yep. They don't have to worry about that. They don't, I mean, you would think that they've got an eye toward further expansion, but it's not going to have to be at an accelerated rate like we saw them try to do with, uh, with Ballast Point. Correct. And it, it all depends on the arrangement, right? Because some of these, some of these, mergers, acquisitions, you know, whatever they are, have various clauses in them where it's like, yeah, we're going to buy you or you're going to acquire you, but you're going to remain an independent brewer. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it's like we're buying you and all of your property and your IP and we're we're going to keep your tap rooms open as a market, right, as a, as a brand. But we're also going to take and basically contract brew your best labels other places. And many times that's what happens. Mm-hmm. 
And then you could, yeah, be like, okay, well, there's going to be quality problems then. Yeah, maybe, probably, because there is cost engineering involved here when you want to take things on a bigger scale. It's not all about how much a new market's going to be willing to pay. It's oftentimes about improving that margin. So, yeah, you could have quality changes, mm -hmm. and that has to be expected. Right. Right, I agree. You're, and you're also going to have the changes that come as part of being part of a, of a conglomeration of brands where, okay, you know what, you know, we know you guys were looking at introducing this and this, but we already have a division that does that and that. So why don't you f continue to focus on X, Y, and Z or try, or try Q instead? And it, it does change a bit of, it can change the DNA of the brand or, or in the other way, can force the DNA of the brand to remain as homogenous as possible mm -hmm. i'll say so there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of but you've also got all those economies of scale that help everything so there there are pros and cons there are always going to be pros and cons yep i'm i live in the merger and acquisition world every day but in the biotech world and you know we're going through a couple right now and one of the major uh, attractants of of doing said thing for these smaller companies is buying power and size in the marketplace and, and frankly being able to throw your weight around and get better pricing, get reduced risk, uh, those sorts of things. And it's real. I mean, we I see it every day. It, it works. But you have to be very cautious about the value of the brand that that you've acquired in the marketplace and whether keeping that brand intact has the value that others think it does does that make sense it, it because does. It, it it doesn't really necessarily translate i mean you could have you know you, you're going to hear the, the the squeaky wheels when these mergers go through and they're talk about they're all doom and gloom but you know are they like two percent of the consuming population are people really going to ultimately care certainly if they don't see a, a massive quality change are they going to care and actually, you know what? They may not see the price of their beer go up as much as others because mm -hmm. of that, you know, uh, scale that like Sapporo has and the buying power they have and the contracts that they're able to put in place. Sure. Sure. It, it could very well help on that side of things. Yep. Yep. I, I don't see that as a as an issue. No. But let's I, I think this is a good way to pivot onto the next point, which is I, I had mentioned when maybe there is an overinflated sense of worth <laughs> and and where one sits in the marketplace, whether it's complacency or it's that rock star brewer attitude or, you know, we can do anything. But, uh, you know, like here in Madison, we had a, a fairly large, quote, air quotes, uh, large craft brewery ale asylum just finally closes doors. And, you know, they slay, they, 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 they stated that it was due to, you know, all sorts of economic factors. Well, it's about controlling your costs, right? And knowing who you are and who you want to be. And do I really need to go spend 10 times as much in space lease to build a giant brewery because I'm going to take over the regional craft brewing market and never, you know, be able to get out of the gate, right? It's like, what was the business model that drove that decision? So you, you end up, potentially running yourself into the ground. Then you have things like COVID hit, right? And you're, the sales that you thought you were going to have because, hey, look who we are, doesn't materialize. Mm -hmm. And the contracts that you might have signed early on because of who you thought you were going to be, 
again, based on what, I don't know, but at least in your mind, you thought you were going to be something, nothing happens. And now you're overextended. So your costs are astronomical. Your, your income has suddenly been collapsing, let's say because of COVID. But the other thing I found interesting with Ale Asylum was that, you know, they even mentioned that brand loyalty wasn't a thing anymore. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what they were, they were, you know, one of the very thinly veiled jabs by one of the owners in this interview was, was that, yeah, brand loyalty isn't a thing anymore. Therefore, you know, we can't survive. Well, what does that say about the quality of your beer? I, 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 uh, I agree and disagree. I agree and disagree with that evaluation. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why, but first I just want to call back to something you said when I couldn't get a word in, which is again, a t-shirt line. You made the comment, mm-hmm. you thought you were going to be something. And, yep. and I feel like the, that, that maybe, maybe that's more of a refrigerator magnet than a t-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> That's or, at least what my mom tells me. A, <laughs> you thought you were going to be something. A daily affirmation that you have on a post-it on your computer monitor just to like look at and remind yourself you thought you were going to be something. It's not too late. You thought you were going to be something. Uh, <laughs> so, so here's what I'll say about the quality of your beer, and it comes back to my well-established hate, hatred's the wrong word, anticipation and letdown of going into any any beer store, any liquor store. It's that the excitement of going in there wears off within three minutes because I can't freaking decide because there are too many choices. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm going to use go back to Stone and say Stone's got a national presence. I like their beer. If I'm if I've got you know limited options at a tap, I will get their beer. But with so many things to choose from that are local, because I tend to lean that way just out of a curiosity perspective, um, and just in general, am I going to buy Stone to take home with me from a package store in my town, knowing that I live on the opposite coast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not, because it's almost too much of a, of a I know what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it's bad beer. It's not bad beer. But... I, I, I think tastes are, at least for someone like me, I I don't lean into old faithful. I lean into what's new. And I think that's part of what they were saying in this, in this piece about their closure is that their brand loyalty had disappeared. Mm -hmm. Right. And why they thought it was, that was such a big driver. I don't know in terms of your business model, because they're the brand loyalty in the beer industry Craft, certainly craft beer industry has been gone for 15 years. Yep. And, you know, I remember when uh, Wisconsin Brewing was getting ready to open up, I was talking with Kirby, and that was one of his big things. He's like, brand loyalty is gone. And and so how, do, how does that change what you do? Because, you know, when he was at Capital, brand loyalty was a pretty big deal. It's like, I drink Capital beer, right? Right. I know these people. I have this investment. And, I mean, you do that to some extent with your local haunts, and so do I. Oh, sure. But that's us going there now if you're a package brewery and that's what you're building your your kingdom on you got to play a different a different hand because there is no brand loyalty in package beer really no uh, at least certainly craft beer and it is about the what's new what's interesting right now and what catches my eye from the god awful seizure inducing beer aisles <laughs> yeah <laughs> with all the with all the labels that are out there so i mean to to blame failure 
of a enclosure of a brewery and a brewing business on brand loyalty in this day and age is total bullshit. It, it, it is, although, you know, it's funny. I, I think about the beer fridge behind me and what's in it right now up, up here into Greg's beer fridge. And it, it's got a couple left from our great beer exchange of 2022. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost <laughs> done. I'm working my way through. I've got a handful left. Yeah, me too. Uh, this, you know, a handful of athletic and then you're gonna laugh. I've got, uh, I've got, I've got a, um, I see light in there. I'm waiting for football season to start, so a little uh-huh. early. It'll be nice and cold. Nice. And but that is a a brand loyalty thing and a sentimentality thing, not a beer quality thing. But I've also got two bottles of Stella in there, and n- not my favorite by any means, but it's my father's, mm-hmm. and he's in town. So I bought a six pack of Stella, knowing that that six pack. I'll probably end up drinking three of them after he goes back home to Florida. But <laughs> but any of the other stuff that I would collect and buy on a lark or even bring home from one of my local places, that's just not going to be for him. So the Stella's safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with, um, you know, if I'm having people over, depending on who the people are, it's so much easier for me to buy a Two Roads mix pack and have that around than then what's more fun for me, which is to go through the shop and go, ooh, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, because then I'm buying for me. I'm buying a whole lot of beer for me. Mm-hmm. So the brand, I think the brand loyalty can still be there. It depends on on what you're buying for and what kind of entertaining you do, I guess. You and I are not entertaining type people, so uh, yeah. it's not usually a thing. No, not, not not something that goes into my calculation of which beer I'm going to yeah. buy. It's just whenever I walk down here and I go over to the beer fridge, I I almost smile when I see the Stella because I'm like, you look so out of place. <laughs> <laughs> there was well, I mean, I I, get, I understand what you're saying, but I I also you know being here in this particular case with this particular brewery, um, am aware of like a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was going on there, mm-hmm. which caused part of the decision to, to close their door. Sure. Not surprised at all. Um, it's a shame. Brand loyalty. Let me put it that way. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, it's very, very thinly veiled, uh, blaming something else. And, and it's, yeah, called bulls, total bullshit on that. Mm-hmm. We had another brewery here in Madison, a much, much smaller brewery, um, called Rockhound that closed its doors earlier this year. Uh, much earlier this year and you know they just couldn't survive the pandemic yeah because they were a you know very small brew house and they were a restaurant and they were downtown and it closed up and they're just like we got nothing they didn't have any opportunity for you know outdoor seating they didn't have any of that kind of thing they were they were a casualty of that and certainly faced with the the other beer that's in town right now it's just better Mm -hmm. right and so there was that if I'm going to go back out, why am I going to go over here? That brand loyalty that I might have felt is gone now because I had this forced interruption right? called COVID. So now I'm going to go and I'm going to try new stuff. And, oh, guess what? Wow, there is better beer out here. I think that had a, probably a lot to play with playing it too. And, I mean, these are just two local examples to the Madison area, but this is happening all over the country. It is. It is. And I, I've told the story already of the folks near me that closed down. And it had nothing to do with anything other than the fact that they were getting near retirement age anyway, and their landlord said, I'm taking back the whole building for a, a bigger client who wants the whole thing. And they looked into rebuilding and said, why? Mm-hmm. Why now? And when they opened, 
they were the only game in town by a good 30 or so miles. Mm-hmm. And now that is just not the case anymore. There are breweries everywhere here. And and they they did a... My impression is they did a little bit of research into starting up the brew house again and, and then said, you know what, why are we doing this? This is a, this is a sign that we're ready to retire. They've done what yeah. they set out to do. They And they were probably, you know, had a good part of their debt reconciled by this time. Mm-hmm. And... To go and do something new, if you take on a whole bunch more debt and a whole bunch more risk in a market that they didn't have when they started. Yep. And so totally, totally on board with that. Decision. And I'm sure they there were no shortage of up-and-coming startups saying, you want to sell us your tanks? You want to sell us your supply? We'll, we'll take all of that. Exactly. Everybody wins. They're able to liquidate. It, it just, it, the, the timing ended up working out for them. The kicker is do something else. Yeah, the kicker is that that'll happen just when the pandemic started ending. Like they they worked their butts off keeping it going during the pandemic and then it was it was like, "Oh, well now you're taking away my lease." Well, think about it like this though. They worked their butt off through the pandemic to stay solvent and to get themselves to the point where they could probably close without too much discomfort. Uh, very true. Or, or the pandemic could have forced them to close with all kinds of debt that they couldn't they couldn't absorb and you know be in a really bad place. oh oh I, I agree i absolutely agree it was um so I, the, the the timing just worked yep i have one i think i have one beer left from them in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm doing that bad sentimental thing of like saving it it's like it's just gonna get bad i need to drink yeah. i need to drink it <sighs> maybe maybe today and I, I would i would close this little segment by saying that this spade of closures is not a bubble bursting. There is no bubble, Mm-mm. people. Let me just tell you that right no. now. It's not a bubble bursting. This is market forces at work. And there will be a slight correction, which is what we're going through right now. But that needs to happen. And some of that's going to be due to bad management. Some of it's going to be due to bad bad product. And some of it's going to be due to forces out of your control. Mm-hmm. And that's just how our free market economy works. Yeah, this, so, this could be about anything other than breweries, and it would be the same story. Yeah, right. Just get off your damn high horse when you start talking about people <laughs> selling to other breweries uh, and, and how they somehow let down the public. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. <laughs> Should we talk about yes. using Beatles songs in, in Nike commercials now? It's the same, it's the oh, same conversation. Yeah, it's the same conversation. <laughs> Remember back, okay. Windows 95. (laughs) When Windows 95 came out, the hullabaloo that was around Microsoft trying to buy Start Me Up Mm -hmm. from the Rolling Stones as their... It was a huge deal. And the Stones finally said, okay, fine. Why? Because Microsoft backed up a dump truck full of money and said, here you go. And it was this whole gigantic marketing campaign around, you know, the Stones and, and Windows 95. Mm-hmm. So, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Well done. It's, it's, so they, need, they need that money to keep, keep Keith, Keith Richards alive. Oh, that's true. That's true. God yeah. only knows how pickled. Uh, anyway, exactly. that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried about Keith Richards' lawyers. We're uh, uh, not so no, much. No. We're small fish. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, apologies for sale. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. All right, so I know we had a couple of ideas here. We've we've been all over that one. Where, where what's I know we were going to talk oh, about um, uh, 
we're talking about what was the other one I brought up? Uh, um, shortage of CO2. Shortage of CO2. That one. And did you read anything about that? I did. I did a bit. It was it was interesting. It was very interesting. I was so. What's that all about? Um, well, there was a there's a plant. Oh, I forget where it is. Somewhere in in the, the south here, where they make most of the CO2, and they had some kind of an infection going on, mm-hmm. and it has really screwed up the CO2 market. Just one place. Yeah, one single place. And and that now there's a shortage of industrial CO2 for brewers to package their their beer, right? And and purge their tanks. And that's causing some breweries to, frankly, slow down or stop production. Because if you can't do that, there's no point in making your beer. That's ridiculous. It's just, it baffles me. Because what's one of the main byproducts of fermentation? CO2. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that brought me back to a conversation we had on the Discord a while back about, you know, why aren't more breweries capturing their own CO2 and reusing it? Because you'd think that would be a no-brainer. Because you're taking, think of all the sugar that you're, that you're taking out of the malt that you're buying as food for yeast turned to alcohol. But the rest of that, you know, is water and CO2 and the CO2 is going up the stack. So why not capture that and reuse it? That way you're, you're, you've got more of your value chain intact. Well, because it's really, really expensive. Okay. Well, there you go. To do, right? And some of the larger scale brewers do do that because it makes sense at that scale, but not your not your 15,000 barrel brew house. It's just, I mean, forget about it. The It's not just CO2 that's going up the stack, right? It's during fermentation. You've got other volatile esters and other gases and, and water and all that stuff has to be separated and cleaned out so you can get back to pure what we consider food grade CO2. So there's a lot of scrubbing and cracking involved and it's not just that simple as putting a big balloon over your fermentation vessel <laughs> and collecting all the gas that comes off. But but if you're doing it that um, way, we'd like to see pictures. Well, and that's 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 how my that's how my dad used to make wine. So instead of having a, a an airlock with a, you know, a, a so the gases could bubble out through it. He had a big ass balloon on the top of the ferment fermenter. <laughs> and every now and again, that sucker would explode. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning right off the ceiling. <laughs> yep. Uh, memories of my child. Wow. Um, but it's a thing. And I think people forget exactly how sensitive our markets are to or our, our in- industries are to, what we would call market forces. Mm-hmm. And let's, I, I made mention earlier in this episode about p- drinkers in England having a fit over the cost of their, their beer. And I read again this morning, more, more data on that. It was like in 2021, tw- 2020 to 21, the average price per pint of, of beer in England was $2 and 80 pounds. And, no, two dollars and two dollars and twenty pounds. Now it's three dollars and eighty-one pounds, hmm. just in this short, you know, that short time frame. And people are like, "What in the hell is going on? This is an outrage!" Blah 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 blah. I can't pay that much for beer as they go and pay that much for beer. And so the the question is why? And you 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 look at it and you boil down all these factors of a really shitty harvest of barley in North America in the previous two years. All of the 
conundrums that we've had in over-the-road trucking, certainly in Europe, mostly around uh, salaries and, you know, truckers' rights and things, which are important. Mm -hmm. The cost of paper going up, like pulp for packaging, has gone through the roof. And energy. The price of energy in Europe is skyrocketing now due to the, as they're calling it, the Black Sea conflict. Oh, my. <laughs> the war in Ukraine. <laughs> yes. Um, and all of that is coming to rest right at the heels of beer drinkers. And it has to. At some point, all of that cost needs to be transferred to the consumer because making any beer, let alone craft beer, is not a super high margin operation if you're in the packaging industry. You know, like if, if that's your main goal. Sure. Making it in your tap house and selling it there is is different. But let's say we're talking about packaging breweries. Mm -hmm. So you've got <clears throat> all of these compounding factors that are building up to the point where the industry cannot absorb all of those costs. It's just not realistic. So guess what? You're going to start paying for it. And I don't know. Have you seen any price increases, like noticeable price increases? Not. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I've been so... I'm so busy working on all the beer we exchanged. I haven't bought beer in a while. <laughs> right, that's fair. Uh, but no, no, nothing has jumped out at me. Uh, you know, pint prices seem to be the same where I'm where I'm picking them up. So I don't think it's mm -hmm. made its way through into distribution yet. I, I haven't seen anything. I'm wondering if the home brewers are seeing it when they go to pick up CO2. Probably. Well, maybe, but just in general, you know, I was out. Where was I? I, I had a big team in town last week, and so I took them out to one of my favorite haunts and didn't think much of it. I hadn't actually bought a pint in a while, so I went in there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a pint of this, blah, blah, blah. It was like eight I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> For each of them? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right. I only wanted one pint. No, eight fifty, right? And granted, it wasn't happy hour, um, which then it would have become seven fifty. But I'm like, holy hell in a handbasket, what happened? And I don't know if it's just that I hadn't been paying all that close of attention, because frankly, I don't, uh, to what my bar tab is. So it just struck me as like, I, I firmly, distinctly recall, like pre-COVID, paying like five fifty for this for the same pint, for the same beer. Wow. Right? <clears throat> and now it's $3 more. Right. And I know it's not a, a money grab by this crew because I, I know them well enough to know they wouldn't do that. It's about the cost of production. You know, barley prices have tripled. You can't absorb triple the cost in, in raw materials. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no matter what component of your raw materials it is, it's, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And I don't think it's done. Hmm. I mean, I think we still have, no matter whether the industry, you know, uh, media is bored with it or not, we still have supply chain disruption issues. We have a massive, massive disruption in the barley market, again, because of the conflict in the Black Sea and the, the general poor performance of our barley crop in North America, too. The CO2 thing, right, which will we come out of that? Yeah, probably, but it's not going to be quick. I don't, I don't see this being something that's reversed. I think that if you haven't seen it yet, you will see an increase, a, a substantial increase in the price of your beer. And I think it's been a long time coming. Hmm. 
and and I think breweries have done a good job at at masking that increase. And Greg, I think I would at hazard a guess if we went back and looked at your taproom bills from pre-COVID and looked at what you're paying today, the prices will have gone up. Um, that's probably true. But you just might not have noticed it because the increase may have been gradual or may have been multiple increases as opposed to these massive, like, I haven't had this beer in a while and then I'm going to go buy it again. And I'm like, holy hell, what is this made of gold? And honestly, it doesn't help that by the time you get the check, you get the bill, you've already had a couple. And so remembering what those bills look like is a little suspect. And I mean, really, you don't care. I, I really don't. I really don't. No. But it's like I was at uh, Total Wine when I was collecting the beer for the for the great exchange and some of the four packs not some i'll take that back i would say on average the cost of like a four pack of 16 ounce cans was between 15 and 20 dollars yeah that seems really high um and i'm like hmm. oh my god what am i in the right store what the hell is going on here Right, I'm gonna have to start drinking Schlitz again <laughs> because I mean it's getting it's it's absolutely ridiculous. That's that's really when it made me stop and think about it, and then start looking into the industry to see where the costs have increased. It's across the board, it's everywhere. Yep, everywhere. You know, right on down to fuel costs for transportation that factors into everything. It all, everything is taken a hit. Well, you take that to, to correct. You take that to the barley growers who are experiencing a three x increase in fuel prices and a ten x increase in fertilizer price on a market that's that is already almost break even. That's shit right there. So why farm at that point? You can't. You can't afford to. So then acreage shrinks. Acreage shrinks. Price goes up for whatever does get harvested. That has to be carried through to to the consumer. Mm-hmm. And so all of these market forces are what are dry, ultimately driving up, at the end of the day, our beer prices. And I encourage us all to pay attention to that because you're like, well, what am I going to do about it? Actually, probably not a whole lot individually, <laughs> but it's a great bellwether of what's happening to you know, our economic systems, right? Where, where, where you stand right now mm-hmm. and how all of these different contributors to that go into making that beer that's delivered to your face hole what goes into it and how volatile it is and take that right on back to the you know our market here that the hop grower your brewers who are seeing increases in pricing across the board it's that much harder now to make the argument for my hops are you're supporting local and it costs a little more because i don't have the economies of scale but still buy from me when they're looking for ways to trim costs an easy path is to say I got to take a contract with the Pack Northwest because I'm, it's going to be cheaper, right? So you got to you've got to be sensitive to the fact that it's not just about you and your costs, and but you've always paid me this. Yeah, I think you can also turn that around and say you guys understand how volatile the market is now, and I mean next year the Pacific Northwest could be on fire, right? And all the hops are going to be crap, and you're locked into a contract that that you're paying for for crappy smoke tainted hops. I don't know. Um, or there's going to be a massive drought and the yield's going to be down and they're going to put you on allocation, but yet now you're still paying the same amount or more. Work with me and yeah, you know what? I could have a crappy year because it's called farming, but I'm not going to screw you, right? We have a relationship. 
Plus, you don't have all that other embodied energy in getting your hops to your location, to your brew house. Yep. Because I am right here. So I'm helping you mitigate risk. And people like to hear those kind of words. <laughs> Let me help it, you reduce your risk. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. Use it to turn it around. Use it to your advantage, because they are seeing this. If you know, we've talked before about brewers and and keeping the books, and if if they're even seeing it um, or noticing it, I'll say sometimes it's just wow, my costs are bad, and I don't know why. But oh but, no, they at least the brewers I talk to, they know it intimately. Do they really? I okay. Mean, Oh, absolutely. Because they're just like, oh my God, you want how much for this Caramel 20? You want, I have to order how many cans from you because you won't talk to me otherwise? I can't store that many cans. I don't even have that much cash, right? And what are you going to do? You're going to pay elevated prices for to suppliers that are going to sell stuff to you in the quantities, the size that you need. But that's the cost of doing business right yep. now. And it's, it's not, I didn't say it was right. It just is. But, but that's, that's what a free market economy does. So that's happy news. Yeah, yeah. Got that going. That's happy news. I think we had one other here that you had brought up. It was, uh, it was the, you know, continuing to complain about the IPA explosion. And in, it, oh, bloody Yeah, hell. and in particular, the, that article that we both read about uh, Sierra Nevada yeah, and it was an interesting article about Sierra Nevada, who you know are one of the pioneers in craft beer and have brought so many different styles out there uh, in a very widespread fashion, and how even they are just leaning so heavily into that IPA space. Their seasonal pack used to be actual seasonal beers, and now it's seasonal IPAs. It's all IPAs, mm -hmm. all of it. You go try and find yourself a Sierra Nevada porter. Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> Actually, I don't have that kind of time. No, no. So. If you look at their website, it's it's all IPAs. The uh, what is that, that that their hazy little thing line has exploded for them, mm -hmm. and it's similar to they also mentioned in the article the Voodoo Ranger line. And who is that? New Belgium, I think. New Belgium. Yeah. Um, and the Voodoo Ranger IPA line of theirs is everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, can they can they pivot? Like they can have. can can they no out of that? Oh, so. Or well, is this the new normal? Why would they? I'm just saying. Could, could it happen? Like it, Market forces. Let's say market forces change. Or is this the new normal? Is the new normal craft beer is an IPA and everything else is boring? Mm -hmm. And when you see, you know, when you go to a tap room and you see 10 out of 12 are IPAs, you know, okay, they've got a narrow window of customer base. They're, they're either playing to their customer base or they're creating their customer base in that in that mold one way or the other, but you've got limited input. When you look at a Sierra Nevada, at a New Belgium, you know, other other places like a stone where we can look at them and say they won already, mm -hmm. they're, they're not stupid. They have marketing people and salespeople mm -hmm. looking at the numbers saying, this is where the money is. Mm -hmm. I get it. I'm absolutely... I, I as a business person, an entrepreneur, God bless them, because they, they are doing the math correctly. Mm -hmm. As a beer lover, it pisses me off. Me too. <laughs> so, you know, I found myself, I drink European beer now, because nine times out of ten, the American craft beer I'm going to get is going to be very poorly made. It's going to be poorly balanced. It's going to be overhopped. 
And in many cases, it's got to have brewing defects. I can't tell you the number of, of craft beers I've had in the in this year that I've not that I've dumped out because there's a, some sort of brewing problem with it, whether it's diacetyl or acetaldehyde or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, do better. Do better. I would rather have a Stella at that point. Yeah, you've, just, got, you've got consistency there at least. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And just because it's craft doesn't mean it's good. Uh, again, T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this right is what happens when we when we don't record new stuff for a while. Just because it's craft doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> it is true. It is so true. Is this a rant episode? This um, is a rant episode oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is absolutely a rant episode. It's good, though. we got to get this stuff off our chest every once in a while. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. we explode. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Not until, at least until the dark corner bar is finished. Oh, the dark corner bar. Yeah. It's, it's, can't, come, can't come soon enough. Yeah, we were talking about that last night, my wife and I, Dark Corner Bar, some of the offerings we could have. Oh, boy. So it was it was a good time. We'll have to make an entire episode about the Dark Corner Bar. Ooh, yeah, but then someone's going to steal the idea. We can't make the episode until we're well we're well into oh, no, the... Uh... No, I, I figured we could do one of those whole, like, GoFundMe things, or we could sell, like, shares, ah. you know? Like, we could have... We could have sell bar, seats. We could have bar punks, just like, uh, or equity punks, just like fucking brew dog has irritates me um but uh yeah you got y'all could you could all could invest in this operation with me and greg and you know we could be business partners nice would we actually you know sell off seats to particular people bar potentially Potent- absolutely dedicated bar stools yes absolutely nobody can sit in it unless it's that person can can the theme of the bar you know offshoot of cheers be the place where no one gives a shit about your name Ah, nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. That that could be a t-shirt. Yep. <laughs> Let's just do it. Again, apologies for sale. <laughs> <laughs>